Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour here on Talent Talk. We have a great lineup of guests uh, set to come on the show throughout the year, and I hope you're looking forward to hearing uh, all our great insights from all our great guests. The Talent Talk uh, radio show features a wide range of guests who care about talent, uh, leadership development, and company culture. Uh, in the business world, talent really has a couple different meanings, and the first is how it relates to success and how really talented people achieve success. So the second is how talent relates to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates for their company. So this show looks to explore those two uh, really different areas, along with how talented individuals impact a company's culture. Today we'll be talking to two HR leaders in the HR field that kind of fill both uh, boxes there of being uh, really talented and successful themselves and will have a great bit of insight for us on how they're dealing with talent within their own organizations. Uh, the guests on Talent Talk, though, generally uh, kind of include different sets of people, CEO, CEOs, excuse me, uh, HR executives, entrepreneurs, uh, coaches, authors, just kind of anyone out there in the biz- that are business leaders, uh, thought leaders, uh, whether it's for their company or out in the uh, overall industry. Typically what happens is I'm at a networking event or a conference, and I have the privilege of meeting an inspiring leader, and I created this forum to allow you to listen in our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice about how to cultivate talent, develop leaders, and manage your culture, and most importantly, hopefully impact your own career in a positive way. I want to thank those of you tuning in live here every Tuesday. If you have a question for one of our guests, you can submit it via Twitter by tweeting your questions to at peopleg 2 and use that hashtag talent talk. My producer, Mike, will feed me the best questions, and we can try to work them into the show and maybe even uh, stump one of our guests. Uh, also, don't forget uh, about the Talent Talk uh, podcast on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to the feed if you're tuning in for the first time. Uh, open up that podcast app on your iPhone or Android or iPad and type in Talent Talk and hit subscribe, and you can join the other 115,000 people who are tuning in each week uh, to hear our podcasts and shows. We really appreciate all your support and the time that you take to listen. Uh, whether it's on the live show or on the podcast. Now, with all that business out of the way, let's get our uh, show started here. Uh, my guests today are uh, Pete Fisher. He's the vice president of Field HR at Ventura Foods. And we also have J.D. Sanders. He's the vice president of HR and strategic partner of Goldspan. Uh, and he's also an HR consultant. So J.D. will join me the second half of the show uh, on the phone. But uh, live here in the, audio, uh, in the studio today, I have uh, Pete Fisher, uh, who is a career uh, human resources professional. Uh, Pete, thanks for joining me and be on the show. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're in your current role there at uh, Ventura Foods. So I'll probably start with my academic experience. So uh, undergraduate at Brigham Young, uh, went into IT before going into HR, so spent a few years there, then ended up going to Arizona State Business School, got an MBA there, um, then ultimately, ultimately decided on a career shift into HR, ended up going to uh, Cornell University up in upstate New York, and then uh, from there on joined uh, Rolls-Royce. So I was there for two years, actually spent a year over in England with them. Um, after Rolls-Royce, I joined, joined Pepsi, so I was there about uh, six years before joining Ventura Foods, and in uh, that capacity of Ventura Foods, uh, vice president of field human resources, so I manage Primarily our field operations, so about 2,000 employees, 11 manufacturing plants that we have at Ventura Foods, and our business is really uh, centralized around edible oils, so think uh, salad dressings, margarines, uh, mayonnaise, edible oil. So it's uh, an exciting business, great place to be at Ventura Foods. So you have a lot of great experience with some really good companies uh, from a talent management perspective. What is it you've learned from your time at, at Pepsi, you think? Uh, maybe we'll start there. That kind of carried over to help you shape your professional experiences at Ventura Foods. Yeah, Pepsi is a great place to start because that was uh, the longest of my experiences to date. So I'd say one of the bigger things that I've learned when it comes to talent management is really uh, how to acquire the best talent. You know, there really is a war for talent going on out there. 
And it's really the best HR professionals, in my opinion, that win that war for talent. So uh, if you want to be a really good HR function, you need to understand the principles around talent acquisition first. Um, and I'm sure I'll be able to share a lot of those principles that I have around talent acquisition through the remainder of the show here. Um, but then I think it, it comes to once you've acquired the best talent, it's managing them. So mm-hmm. once they're there, showing them you know that future career that they have, the progression, the development, the learning. Um, and I think that's something that I've taken the learnings that I, I had at Pepsi and really applied them to Ventura Foods. And I truly believe that we are showing people at Ventura Foods line of sight to their future career, to their growth, to their potential. And ultimately, I think that's what we all want at our experience and work is give me line of sight to what's next. You know, what more can I do? Um, And I think HR is the function that helps people realize that. So you said earlier there that you think really that HR executive that's out there really doing that recruitment and kind of running that process is it has a really strong impact on you know on you getting the best talent is there a percentage could, could you quantify you know what part of that because certainly it needs to be a great company yeah they need to have uh you know their purpose really in place they need to be a great place to work with doing something that people want to be doing uh for a reason they want to be doing it um i mean because it could be you know the worst company doing the worst stuff, you know, and you have the best HR person, there's got to be a percentage there in, in play. How, how do you kind of think that yeah, it's, pans out? It's a great question. I tell you, I'd say about 20 to 30% of what I do every day and my team does uh, involves talent acquisition in some way, shape, or form, recruiting talent acquisition. Mm-hmm. Whether that's identifying really good partners that we have that are outgoing and finding that talent for us or working with the candidate to help them understand the story of Ventura Foods. You know, we're very big on is we're not really a household name at Ventura Foods. Um, Big on sharing our story with candidates. I think uh, recruiting is a two-way street, so you certainly need to help that candidate have that understanding of who you are and what you stand for as a company and get them excited about the possibility of working there while you're getting to know them and understand the skill set that they bring to the table and understanding, hey, is this a good fit for for Ventura Foods? Right. So you get these people in the door, uh, and they turn out to be uh, great employees, and usually then great employees you want to turn into great leaders. So are are the things that Ventura does specifically, Ventura Foods does specifically to really work on that leadership development that you can share with us? Absolutely, and uh, there's, there's one specifically that comes to mind. So about a year and a half ago, Uh, we put in a leadership competency model. So uh, even before that, we'd been focused on the development of our leaders, um, but we didn't really have a framework to do so. So we spent a lot of time developing this framework. We called it Staying Sharp. Um, So we branded the leadership model. It involved 12 competencies that we had identified as a company that were valuable to Ventura Foods. Um, And so we rolled out these competencies to the organization, and you could tell they really resonated with the leaders that we had, the understanding of, okay, now I get to uh, have some guardrails in terms of my development, an understanding of what I aspire to do and the competencies that I'm looking to develop. And you could tell it really resonated with employees. From an HR standpoint, it's very exciting because, you know, hey, we've always been developing talent, but putting a framework in place where people can get excited about and tools and resources we give them to facilitate this experience, you know, just, it's unbelievable. Mm Mm-hmm. So do you, do you feel like that process will uh, be able to kind of be long-term, or do you maybe possibly see there might need to be some maybe some challenges or even some changes as you look at your leadership development, particularly uh, as you begin to have the millennial generation kind of coming in deeper and deeper into the organization as time goes on? Uh, do you think that the approach will need to change at all, or, or do you feel pretty confident in what you have in place? I think it will, and I believe anything you roll out in terms of HR, it seems like you need a bit of continuous improvement on. So you're never just going to roll something out, people get excited, and then, okay, that's it, we can walk away from it and never revisit it. Mm-hmm. I think there's an always uh, always a time where you want to revisit what you do, and you, you likely want to have that planned ahead of time. So, okay, we've rolled out this leadership competency model. When do we want to come back to it? Is it in a year? Is it in two years? Um, I think you want that understanding going in of, hey, when do we need to revisit this? And I think the right time frame is about two to three years, any kind of competency model to understand, hey, are the values of the company shifting in any way? Um, do we need to change any of these competencies based on where we want to go on as a company or what our employees are are giving us in terms of feedback. So I think you always want to revisit. You know, your other comment on the millennial generation, I tend to think um, 
is the millennial generation, they're probably no different than you and I were at that age. I tend to think of myself, you know, in my mid-20s. I probably would say the same things about myself as I would the millennial generation, to be honest with you. But I think they do have higher expectations of their work experience. And I think as an HR professional, you need to realize what they do expect out of work and the parameters in which they want to operate in. And the things that I think about in terms of millennials is really um, they like more feedback and they want it in a timely fashion. I think they've been used to um, getting feedback throughout the course of their lives and their work experience is no different is they want the feedback. They want it now. They typically haven't had to wait for the things that you and I have had to wait for. Mm -hmm. So I tend to think about their development may include, um, you know, more frequent conversations and coaching conversations with them. Um, I also tend to think that they uh, take feedback in different ways. So, you know, we make the joke that millennials, they tend to get the 11th place ribbon. So they may not accept feedback as directly as we've perhaps given feedback in the past, um, so, yeah, I, I'd say millennials in particular is one generation where we need to revisit our practices and how we develop them and ensure they are the future leaders that we need. Yeah, because there's definitely a perception that millennials, as you said, are getting information so quickly. Uh, things happen so quickly and they're uh, much more adept to change that will the rest of the organization be able to keep up with what they want as far as an, as an experience goes? Like you said, do you, do you have more frequent interactions do you allow for them to have these you know maybe they need to have two or three performance reviews in a year as opposed to you know one or one every other year or whatever what it may be or maybe it needs to be continual because they're used to that constant feedback but the other thing you mentioned about getting the 11th place ribbon is one that a lot of hr leaders have been talking about that there has been such an over focus whether it's from a parental decisions or the way the schools have interacted with them but that you can do anything type of a scenario that you can be anything you want to be you can be anyone you're, everything you do is great and that's not true yeah <laughs> you want it to be true you but yeah it to be it's not true, true but it's not you know we're all good at certain things and we're all bad at other things and it's, we haven't really been honest and a lot of a lot of the generation hasn't had to deal with the fact that yeah they may fail and if you do how do you get back up and how do you learn and We've talked recently about that book, Mindset, that gets a lot into that that whole uh, categorization of somebody who has the mindset to want to learn and get better all the time is different than somebody who says, who identifies themselves as, I'm good at this, so don't challenge that, don't do anything to to, to shatter my, my world here, that I'm good at this thing, maybe I'm not, yeah. you know. So yeah, it sounds like you're you're starting to, to explore that, and, and hopefully in the next few years, you guys will have a... Maybe about the time it really will become important, you'll start to have a real good glimpse or focus on how you can handle it. Yeah, and and I think your comments really resonate with me because I think, hey, 99% of people, they want to be better. Whether that's, hey, I understand I'm going to be in my role for the next, you know, five or ten years. Help me be better. And I think as we approach development, you know, there's an aspect that there should be something in it for everyone. And I would tell you, too. Ventura Foods, we do have manufacturing plants. And I believe that, you know, even someone who's working on a production line in a plant, you know, deserves some kind of development. Even if, you know, this is the work they prefer, this is the work they want to do, there should be something in this work experience for everyone. And, and you called out the millennial generation specifically. I think they do have a higher expectation than anyone, any generation in the workforce right now. They expect more of themselves. They've been told, you know, for years and years and years they're great and they're going to do great things. And the reality is, you know, we're all going to do great things. It may just be in different roles. Mm -hmm. But I think a big part of of just overall development um, is really helping someone achieve their own individual uh, potential. And that may be higher higher for some than for others. But I think it's very rewarding when you do help people realize that potential. Yeah. I've always wondered if, you know, over time we're going to see a greater need or a greater kind of gap in the talent pool of people who are specialists. Because we really have, because we have such access to everything, everyone kind of knows a little bit about a lot of things. And we don't really have, as a culture, this thing, cause you, you know, if you're really good at this, you should go be the best engineer or the best, you know, whatever it may be. Everyone kind of wants to be good at a lot of things. Yeah. And for some people that works, but we can't have an entire society of people who are just good at a lot of things. We need specialists. We need people who are highly talented and highly focused in particular areas and uh, companies especially need those talents. And that's something we struggle with at Ventura Foods. And I think the reality you're expressing is um, it's tough to be really, really good at something. 
to focus on that one thing and, you know, maybe neglect the other things that you may want to do. But, you know, to me, that's how most companies work is you pick your area of expertise and you go deep in there and you develop that. And it's a concept that, you know, I, I, I think uh, Marcus Buckingham, you know, play to your strengths, that ultimately I think the goal of development is really to find out what someone's good at and make them even better at that thing and not identify their weaknesses and help them become average at their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's let's help them become experts because I think the reality you're expressing is we have a lot of people that are average at a lot of things. I think most companies, and I think Ventura Foods is no different, that we want people that are great at maybe a few things, but they're really great at those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just have to have the patience then to deal with the things that they aren't good at, right? Yeah. And to be able to fill in those gaps. Um, there's, there's, there's probably a hundred jokes about mathematicians and engineers and people like that who, you know, aren't very good socially, yeah. right? But you definitely want them solving the really big problems in our society for that that math and sciences can bring. But we kind of expect people to be good or average at, at, at a, a lot of things. And that's, not, I think, an area where I'm, I'm, I'm sort of guessing we're going to see a problem in the talent pool yeah. where perception-wise the hiring manager says, well, I need you to be good at these things, but really they need them to just be really, really good at this one certain thing and then yeah. maybe find ways to, to help them and support them in the areas where they're not good. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's where HR comes into play is understanding what capability we need today if we need to go out to the marketplace and find that capability or if it's something internally that we need to de- develop in someone that, hey, this person needs to get from point A to point B. How do we build a plan in place to develop that person? And I think that comes through a lot of things. It comes through, you know, very good performance appraisal process. It comes through uh, having mentor programs that you're sponsoring uh, in your workplace. You know, there's a lot of ways to provide development. You know, there's uh, on-the-job special projects. And I would tell you, I, I think the best companies that I've seen do these very well and understand, okay, let's first identify that gap that we have in this individual's development, and then let's put in a, a really good, robust plan to help them close that gap. Ultimately, it's a win-win because the company nets out with a more capable, um, stronger leader. Um, so there's upside on the, the business side. And that individual, I think there's a retention quality where they say, hey, this company's investing in me. You know, they're allowing a mentor to spend time with me. They're um, working with me on my development. So why would I go anywhere else? I'm getting exactly what I need out of this work experience. Yeah. And at some level, though, you do have those things that certain people just aren't good at or aren't going to be able to do. I sometimes give the example of my wife never returns voicemails, Mm. not to anybody. Not even you? Not even me. (laughs) So you stop leaving them. Like at some point, you just know the person and you know that if you want to get an answer back, you're going to get an answer back by text or phone call or whatever. But if you, I I have literally seen her phone and it was like 16 unread voicemails. And I, don't you think like one of those might be important? (laughs) But she's just, you know what I mean? Like, and there are people that have, you know, these things that they just aren't going to be good at that thing. And you can try to put in a program or we could try to do something to get her to, to do that, right? Or you could find other ways to, I, I had to find other ways to communicate, you know, to make sure that, you know, she knew what was going on or what have you. So I, I, I that's always a struggle I see for HR. You know, can you get that person to be better at something they're not good at? Or do you have to put something else in place as a, to kind of compensate for that so that there's not a problem within the organization because they're bad at that thing? And, and I t- tend to think the latter. You know, in your situation, hey, probably your wife prefers text messages. Right. Or if you don't catch me, just try again later and we can catch up yeah. live. I think the example you're sharing is similar to most companies' frustration in, hey, we identify what you're good at, what you're not good at, and we want to focus on what you're not good at. Well, what does that get you? Again, you get um, someone who has a bunch of weaknesses that you've turned into, okay, maybe they're average or slightly you know, under average. What does that really get you as a company? You know, I know as a leader of a field HR team, um, there's various strengths I have in my team, and I like to know where those strengths are because if there's mm-hmm. something that comes up on the labor relations side, okay, I know these team members are very good at labor and passion around that. Um, so to me, it's just basic team dynamic and understanding who's good at what so you can leverage someone's strengths versus, okay, I guess I have to use Pete on this project and he's not really good at this. I'll suffer through the weaknesses he has. No, let's work together and see who's strong at what so we can complement each other. You know, the additional comment there I'd make is something that I've done in you know my last few experiences managing a field HR team 
is I've tried to create subject matter expert teams, and I know living that field HR experience, uh, being an HR manager, a lowly HR manager of a manufacturing facility, um, you don't get very much exciting work. You get some really good work, but you don't get out of your comfort zone. You don't, you don't get involved in the corporate-type work. And something I've tried to do specifically for my team is to get them out of their comfort zone and to involve them in more of the corporate-type work. It's something that, you know, it's different for them, um, and I try and understand where their passion lies. I think in HR there's several specialties that we have in HR, so benefits, compensation, learning and development, labor relations. Sure. What does the company culture at Ventura Foods look like? So great question. Uh, I think we have a very exciting culture, and it all circles around the Ventura Edge. So it's kind of our overarching statement of who we are, and um, I think there is a reality that, Ventura Foods, we're not a household name, so we need to help people understand who we are. And before we do that, let's understand internally who we are. So we went through a six- to nine-month process of basically understanding who we are as a company, going through focus groups, employee surveys. Uh, We brought in a third party to conduct this for, for us and basically understand who are you. And once they brought back to us who they thought we were, it really resonated with us. And that's really been our culture is the Ventura Edge, and it talks about some core values. Um, so integrity, personal ownership, teamwork, those are our, t- our core values. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the, uh, I would say, the values that we share with candidates um, that are looking at Ventura Foods to help them get a sense for who we are. As I mentioned before, talent acquisition, it's a two-way street. You have to talk the best talent into uh, coming on board at Ventura Foods. And I would tell you, it gets easier when you know who you are and you know what your story is that you want to share with candidates. And I would tell you, I get a lot of comments, obviously being in HR, I, I interview a lot of people. And I get a lot of comments from candidates after they go through the interview process of, wow, you guys must have got together beforehand to talk about who was going to say what when you talk about the company and your thoughts on the company. And I say, no, there's no collusion. You know, We just all understand who we are as a company and the growth we, we want to achieve and what it takes to get there. And it's really great for a candidate to give that feedback of, I heard a very consistent message from everyone that I interviewed with. And I pictured the experience you know, being the opposite, perhaps, at other companies who maybe don't know who they are as a company, don't know what their culture is, and they aren't good at expressing that to candidates. So candidates leave the interview saying, well, I don't know, I heard this thing from this person, uh, a different thing from another person. I don't think that company knows who they are. It really correlates your own career with uh, different startups that have taken place and some that have been successful and some that have adapted over time. Hmm. really talks about the traditional career path going by the wayside and how we need to think about our own careers differently. It gives a very good HR perspective is I not only think about my career, but as I help support the management of others' careers, right. um, just some great insight to how that dynamic is changing. Well, you mentioned a lot of uh, really good things here today, and I was wondering if you could kind of summarize what you thought were the kind of the top things that you mentioned that maybe someone listening uh, today should should or, or you wish that they would have uh, taken away from from what you said. Sure, and it's going to sound a little cliche, but you know, there's a war for talent. I've certainly seen it making the transition from Pepsi, where I didn't have to do much selling to candidates. They know who Pepsi, Pepsi is. They know who we stood for. You know, coming to a Ventura Foods where you have to have that second and third conversation of understanding um, who you are and how to sell that to candidates. And so I'd say there is a war for talent going on out there. And what helps you win the war is a very strong HR department that's fueled with um, an understanding of who you are as a company and how to sell that to candidates. And, and maybe I don't say sell as much as just give the candidate an understanding. And that's where you get a really good partnership with a, a candidate who understands who you are, and this is an opportunity that I want to be part of. This is a company I want to be part of. And to me, that's the most rewarding part of my job is seeing someone who's investigating Ventura Foods uh, understand who we are and get excited about coming to work for us. Well, and how can people uh, find out more about Ventura Foods or reach you if they're interested in uh, possibly working for you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, so just type in uh, Peter Fisher Ventura Foods, or my email address is P. Fisher, so that's the letter P-F-I-S-H-E-R, at VenturaFoods.com. Feel free to reach out. Well, fantastic. Really appreciate you being on our uh, show here today and being our guest. Uh, Make sure uh, 
you uh, tweet us with any questions or feedback you have for Pete. Um, we'll come back after this quick commercial break. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. As a reminder, if you have a question for our guest today, uh, you can send it in via Twitter at uh, PeopleG2. Use the hashtag Talent Talk. My next guest is uh, JD Sanders, a human resources consultant uh, and the VP of HR for uh, strategic partner for Goalsband. So, uh, JD, welcome to the show. How you doing this afternoon, Chris? I'm doing wonderful. I'm really glad to have you. Now, do we? Is it JD or is it Jeff? We weren't. We, we were suddenly confused JD over here. Is, J, JD is, is correct. JD is correct. All right, good. We got it right. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, and of course, uh, about your current roles there in HR. Well, um, currently, I'm a, a human resource business consultant, and I have over 20 years' experience, and I'm the founder of JD Sanders Consulting. I'm also um, the VP of HR for Goalspan. Goalspan is a company that provides um, performance management software. Um, I personally think it's the best. Um, I also um, um, have extensive experience with strategic management, workforce planning, and integration in both large and small high-tech companies uh, throughout the uh, Northern California, and I'm expanding to other uh, areas of the country. So, as- uh, I like to... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I like to sort of put myself in three buckets. I have my bucket where I'm working with Goldspan and BMW. That's more like a kind of an employee type bucket. I have my JD Sanders Consulting, which is what I do most of the time. And then on my time off, I have an organization um, that's basically jobs for everyone because I believe that it's fundamental for people to be employed and have jobs and be able to take care of themselves. And so I. On my for pro bono work, I sit down and I help people figure out how to get jobs. My main goal there is to get them past the stack so that they can talk to the hiring manager and get hired. So I take it you figured out a way not to have to sleep then. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a lot yeah, of busy. I could probably uh, find more time for sleep, but yeah, uh, a lot of busy buckets there. It sounds like you got a lot going on. So uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk about one of those buckets, and that would be. Uh, your work there as the VP of HR for, for Goldspan. So what do you see as some of the bigger challenges there that you're dealing with? Well, Goldspan is a, is a startup that's been around for a while, and we're trying to change the, the way people think about performance management. It's so important to have goals up front, and our, our tool allows that to happen. And it's also important... Um, many of you um, will know that it's difficult to get managers to do performance management properly. And one of the biggest hurdles is a, a process called journaling. And what happens is, is individuals will wait to the very last minute of the performance period and try to remember everything. Well, one of the great things about Goalspan is that it allows you to capture things in a very efficient and effective way 
throughout the rating period, so that it's not that difficult to try to remember it at the end. And as a result, you have a much better um, performance management process. And, and and then the other area you kind of talked about, which uh, maybe sounds like a real passion of yours, is is your your role in consulting. So, what are some of the things there that are exciting you? Uh, you know, being in that position and working with uh, in several different companies. You know, what's really cool is. Every day, I get to get up and do what I do best and what I enjoy the most, which is helping individuals and organizations grow. It's a great feeling when you see an organization struggling, and then you come in and interact with them and assist them, and then you see the result of your um, programs and processes and how it helps the organization move forward in a positive direction. And I get to do it every day, so it's, I'm very passionate about it and I'm very excited about it. How many people do you know every day get to get up and do exactly what they do best and what they love to do? That's very few. I mean, it's definitely something people should be striving for. It's not always possible, but, uh, you know, I think when people can do that, uh, it, it has such a profound effect on their entire lives and their families' lives and their friends' lives because uh, there's nothing worse than somebody doing a job because it pays them well, but they hate it and they don't like getting up in the morning and, uh, you know, the, the, the stress is, you know, literally killing them. So... Uh, it's great that you're able to do that uh, and, and really have an impact as well. Maybe you could talk about what are some of the things that you're able to do that you really love doing for those organizations? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I see some common things with these organizations. Um, uh, the, the services I like to, to work on are strategic planning and helping people to learn how to think strategically. That seems to be a big problem across the nation, is people's ability to think strategically. And then if you can't think strategically, it's even more difficult to plan strategically. I help with workforce planning. I've built several human resource departments. Um, I've helped with uh, job analysis and job evaluation programs. That includes, like, job descriptions and, you know, job family matrices and the proper classifications according to the, the law. Um, I enjoy leadership development and off-sites and building performance management systems. I spend a lot of time coaching leaders and giving feedback and um, employee engagement is a pretty critical thing that companies need to be concerned about. Um, and I can go on, but these are the types of things I get to do every day, and I enjoy them, and, it, and I like having a positive impact on companies. And what about uh, company culture? I mean, that's something we talk a lot about here with our guests, and I- I'm wondering what you're seeing uh, maybe if there's any themes or commonalities between things that companies are doing that are maybe really damaging uh, or causing their company culture to be difficult, and uh, maybe what you do to kind of try to revive or reinvent that. Uh, that's a great question, and it is a significant problem. I basically see three types of situations in the companies I support. First, a lack of alignment and clarity on vision, mission, and values. Secondly, a lack of accountability or personal ownership, and third, no clear direction on the employment brand or the culture that is desired. Um, what I'd like to do is establish um, a vision by working with the leader, and the leader is the one that has to establish that vision, and then the rest of the organization have to rally and um, align around that leader's vision. And then I also like them to publish their vision and their leadership philosophy. And that goes a big, a big, big step towards helping the culture be the way they want it to be. The second thing is, is uh, everyone should align around that vision, and they also should um, be involved with um, accountability systems and performance management standards. And that has to be clearly communicated as well. And then finally, the reward and discipline have to reflect the desired values and the culture of the organization. And, and that means that the leaders also have to practice what they preach. So, so you do these things. It sounds like you, you have some pretty good processes and really some important things. I mean, the, the items that you listed right there, I mean, you would think most companies would have those set. You would have those out there. But just getting them to communicate that to the rest of their staff could probably be huge. So maybe once you get those things settled, where do you see, you know, the most critical roles for HR then to fill once you've gotten past the big hurdles, kind of the day-to-day stuff? Where do you really see that alignment? Well, I, I can tell you right now, um, one of the biggest issues with human resources is that they tend to act like 
human resource people. Now, I know it sounds kind of funny the way I said that, but they forget that they're business people first. And so the advice I give to all human resource people is learn and understand the business first and make sure that you can support the business in your area of expertise. But that's probably the single most important thing that human resource professionals can do. One of the criticisms that we often get within our field is that we don't know the business or we don't understand business in general. So I think that's the, the, the top thing. Yeah, and that's huge. Um, we, we've kind of uh, had a few discussions last year with HR people, and we, we kind of came to this conclusion that, you know, uh, although the recession was, was pretty bad for everyone, uh, HR got probably hit of the hardest of, of most departments uh, because it's viewed as a cost, uh, you know, only type of an area. Um, but what we saw was that it also elevated HR people as the companies came out of the recessions, they realized how important HR was and how much more strategic they needed to be in all these decisions being made. Because when they went and cut everyone out and they had no one there, uh, they had some real problems that you know companies had to deal with. So we, we've seen this kind of maybe shift by you know upper management that HR needs to be a part of those decisions, those business decisions, and in that strategic kind of a role. So. Uh, one of those areas where I think a focus has really become anew for those companies that are looking at HR in a strategic way is employee engagement. So what are you suggesting companies do to, if they want to be successful in that area? Well, you know, employee engagement has become one of those popular words that you hear used, and it's, it's, it's very close to losing its um, uh, value in terms of a, a term. But the, the main thing about employee engagement, I think, is that it directly impacts profitability. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the landmark work that the Gallup organization did. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that book, um, First Break All the Rules. And what it basically taught us is that employee engagement is so critical because it, if it's positive, in other words, people are fully engaged, then it has a positive impact on profitability. If it's negative, in other words, if people are not engaged, it has the direct opposite effect. And so it drains um, profitability. And so something that has such a high correlation on the impact organization, you have to be able to, to take care of it. Now, I actually like the what's referred to as the Q12. It's the 12 questions you can ask. So you do a survey, find out if your employees are engaged through, like a, through a Q12 type process or some other process that uh, measures the engagement. And then you find out the areas where there's shortcomings. And then you need to correct those and make sure that your employees are fully engaged. Now, I think all of the normal things that companies do, like communicating vision and values and making sure people understand what's expected of them, making sure that they um, interact successfully with their coworkers and that the conflict is managed properly and that they're being respected in the workplace, all of these are the kinds of things that organizations should be doing and it will result in high eng- high engagement uh, profiles. So is that Q12, is that a standard program that's out there that, that someone could look for well, if they're interested? It's, it's something you would get from the Gallup organization. Okay. Um, if you just contact the Gallup organization, they know exactly what the Q12 is, and you can get a survey from them that can measure the engagement of your employees, and I highly recommend that. Because we've done a lot of stuff with their Strength Finders uh, system, which we, we really uh, enjoyed, and it's been a a really cool way to kind of get everyone to, to to talk about what they're good at, you know. I actually like their strength finders. I've used it with many of my clients. I like to manage performance based on strength rather than on weaknesses because everybody knows from the research, again, from Gallup, that if you focus on your strengths, you can make them into towering strengths, and that serves the organization better, both in terms of engagement and in terms of results. One of the things that we've done and we've also suggested to, to other companies is you can go back and you can look at your strengths like you're talking about and say, where do we have really big you know, uh, areas of strength? Uh, and that may be because of what you do or how, the, how you do it. But you can also then say, where, where do we have a weakness? Where do we have no strengths? And are those, are those strengths that we really could be using in our organization? And so can you start to identify people that you'd be hiring in the future to maybe have some of those strengths along with, 
you know, your other kind of core strengths that people obviously would need to, to be successful or in your company or to align to your culture. So I think it's a really kind of a cool way to, to figure out where you need to find more strengths for your organization. Well, one thing that's really important is that you're very clear with what your organization is trying to accomplish. And that's the whole point of strategic planning and getting your objectives all clearly stated and, and communicated throughout the organization. But once you've established what you need, then that'll tell you what skill sets, you know, knowledge, skills, and abilities, and other areas that you need in order for your organization to be successful. And then you're able to have that discussion, preferably with your HR professional, and then you're able to sit down and figure out both what the staff you have that's meeting your needs, where the shortfalls off, and what you're going to do to get those gaps closed. And I think that's basic um, management and, and human resource um, work that is something that could be incorporated into your workforce plan that will ensure you're meeting all the strategic needs in terms of um, skill sets in the future. And, and, that, and that's great advice uh, in, in for HR, but if we also maybe look at the leaders of the company, the CEO or an entrepreneur that started the company, I'm not sure if you've, when you've worked with those types of people, are there other areas of weakness that you tend to see where they need to really jump on to help their company be more uh, successful with their people? Well, um, the areas where I, you know, I work with a lot of executives, the CEOs, owners, and various things, and some of the things that I see where there's problems is there's an assumption that employees do not need praise. You've heard it before. They should be happy that they have a job, that kind of thinking. And the reality is is that they, employees do need praise. And what's amazing to me is the most powerful praises I've seen over my 20-year career is that the simple catching somebody doing something right in a timely manner and simply saying thank you. It costs you nothing, and it has the biggest impact. It's a very intrinsic type of reward, and it really makes people loyal and, 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 and engaged because they realize they're, what they're doing is appreciated. It's simple. So, Next is clearly communicating your vision, and um, what could be even worse, though, is if you, if you don't communicate your vision, that's one thing, but it's even worse is not even having a vision. Sometimes leaders take over, and they're, they're, they're following the previous leader's vision. And the problem with that is that it's not their vision, and therefore they don't have the passion around it. They don't have the love around it that they need to have in order to get people to follow them. The next is um, not holding their senior leaders accountable for deliverables. I've seen this time and time again where there's no accountability at the top, and so it permeates throughout the entire company. And you mentioned about culture. If you have a culture of a lack of accountability at the highest levels of your company, then it will permeate throughout the entire company. And then the other thing is often leaders don't interact enough with their employees on a regular basis. Or if they do, it's, it's very um, prescriptive and authoritarian rather than, um, you know, participative and complimentary and appreciative. And so it is important for the senior leaders to interact. And that, that old HP concept of management by walking around, that is still very valuable. And then lastly, failing to develop their leaders um, and taking the appropriate involvement with building the teams. The, the senior person in the company should never, never, ever advocate the responsibility of building effective teams. And that goes towards a strong EQ and people handling skills and all of that. They need to make sure that they understand exactly what their people are. And here's the reason. The only thing that can never be replicated is the totality of all the employees you have in your company because they are who they are. And every time you lose somebody, you lose that identity. And so it's so critical for the senior leaders to be involved in that process. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you. And it, it's amazing how people seem to not have a great handle on that. And, and one of the things you mentioned early on uh, in your response, I was talking about just saying thank you at the at the time that something actually happened. And it's amazing how companies think of, you know, some $10 Starbucks card three months after something happened to say thank you is somehow is, is going to work when it doesn't. And it's saying thank you at the moment when you notice someone doing something for you, whether that's a coworker, if it's a subordinate, if it's you know, a boss, uh, whoever, just somebody recognizing somebody doing something right 
when it's happening is is, is hugely powerful. And it's it's really a great takeaway, I think, for for those people that are listening to really remember within their own organizations. I think it's also important to document that information in some type of journal or process so that when it comes time for evaluation, those things will be remembered, like I mentioned before. Yeah, that's a great idea. That way you're not, like you said, trying to scurry around, you know, two days before someone's review, trying to remember all the things that you wanted to work on and all the things that they did do well or, or what have you. It can be tough. Well, you, you've had an incredible amount of, uh, of wisdom here and information uh, for us, and I'm, it's sort of leading me down to the next question, which is, you know, maybe who was it that uh, impacted you that kind of, you know, got you thinking in these ways and got you interested in this type of work? Uh, you know, did you have a particular mentor, or was there someone in your life early on that maybe really impacted your own leadership development? Well, um, my father um, um, had a huge impact on me in terms of understanding that. But you know what's funny? In my life, I've always been pushed up front whether I wanted to be there or not. In fact, for a long time, I resisted it and tried not to be up front, but I have no choice because I'm always being pushed up there. So eventually, I just embraced it. But the reality is I've had numerous um, mentors that have helped me throughout my career. And I, too many to try to mention them all or even some of them right now. But the key was that they practiced what they preached. And they were willing to take the time to sit down with me and have conversations about leadership and to be honest with me on the mistakes I was making. And then the second group of individuals that had a huge impact on me was the individuals I was actually leading. If you take the time to listen to the people that are following you, you learn an incredible amount. And I sort of formally like to say thank you for all the people that were willing to, to watch the mistakes I made and be teachers to me as my subordinates. Because I've made lots of mistakes along the way, but I've learned from them all. And again, the one thing that um, one of my subordinates told me, uh, he said, and I, I never forget this lesson, he said, if you turn around and you're in a leadership role, and nobody's behind you, and there's nobody following you, then you're not leading. Um, and so what I've learned is you got to take care of people, and then they take care of you. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, uh, and, and they can be there figuratively, and, they, and then also they can be there you know, physically. I've seen situations in both scenarios where you got leaders standing there all by themselves uh, wondering why no one's there to help them, and, you know, it's... They didn't practice what they preached. They didn't treat people well. They didn't develop people. I mean, there's a million reasons why, but uh, it's amazing when they don't they don't realize it uh, until maybe it's too late. Uh, it, they have, they've got a big problem. So one of the other things I wanted to make sure we asked you was, uh, you know, is there a particular book maybe you're reading right now that uh, we we might check out or we might uh, find some inspiration in them that you're you're kind of into right now? Well, I'm, I'm an avid reader. I read like four or five books on a regular basis all at the same time. But there are two books I'd like to recommend. Great. One is if you're in the, if you're in the job search mode, um, I would recommend a book called Boost Your Interview IQ. It's an awesome book. In my opinion, it's the absolute best book in terms of your preparation for an interview and the whole process of, of getting into a, a new role. Uh, the second book I'd like to recommend is is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, this book is a great book because it helps leaders understand and diagnose issues with their team and why things aren't working right. Well, those are great suggestions. And as a reminder to all of our listeners, we will place these books uh, in a blog post that will appear on uh, peopleg2.com in the blog section. And that way you can uh, click on them and link right over and go into Amazon or Audible, wherever you want to go, and, and check out those books in, in case you didn't have time to to write that down. Uh, you know, J.D., you've, you've kind of covered a lot of great things today. If you were to summarize this for us, what, what do you think are some of the, the, the big takeaways here that anyone listening that doesn't know you, you know, they, they, they probably should have picked up on or maybe have written down? You know, do, do you kind of have a couple of big things that you feel like were really important that you mentioned today? Yeah, um, and, and I'm going to depart from the text a little bit because um, there's a couple of things I think are very important. So one thing is, you know, when you're looking about for a job and you're considering what you want to do, the process is important. And understanding who you are and what you want is also critical. And something to remember, when you're sitting there feeling a lack of confidence and not sure about yourself, remember that they need you more than you need them. 
Companies do not run without employees, and you will keep on living if you don't have a job. So just remember that. They need you more than you need them. And then also, networking is so critical. And remember that the purpose of networking is not to help yourself, but it's to help the other people. And not about getting a card. It's about having the relationship begun. And then journaling is extremely important for successful performance management and communicating clear messages to your employees and interacting with them. And we, you know, we talked about giving them that, that, that free praise. You know, it doesn't cost anything, but it has a huge impact on the engagement and the success of individuals. And then lastly, in our world today, it's your responsibility more than anybody else and more than ever, it has ever been before to manage your own career. Well, it's a very powerful advice you're giving. Um, I, I, it's probably uh, little little nuggets of, uh, of true wisdom there for all the different uh, people listening and maybe some that are not working right now, some that are looking to change their career, some that want uh, to get better or maybe work work better with their teams. So I think there's a lot of good stuff there that uh, anybody could, could, could pick from. Uh, J.D., you've been uh, a great guest for us today, and again, we really appreciate you being on the show. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in it, one of those three buckets that you mentioned, uh, whether it's uh, you uh, in, as a consultant role or uh, even with, uh, with Goldspan? What's the best way for them to, to check you out? Okay. So if they want to get a hold of me in reference to Goldspan, and that's really about performance management and our tool, um, they can uh, email me at J.D. Sanders, that's J-D-S-A-N-D-E-R-S, at goldspan.com, and that's the way to get a hold of me there. If you want to get a hold of me in reference to my consulting business, you can get a hold of me at jdsanders77 or jdsanders77 at gmail.com. And then you can also get a hold of me through that same email if you're interested in perhaps me helping you find a new job. And by the way, I'm willing to help anybody anywhere at any time uh, because I want everybody to have a new job. And then... My phone number, and I don't have any problem with getting phone calls, um, is 650-224-4375. Well, some uh, really formidable stuff here you're talking about. Again, we really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, We hope you'll come back and give us an update, especially if you get a fourth bucket. We want to see how you're juggling all that. So uh, thanks again for being on the show, JT. All right. Thank you very much, and you have a great rest of your week. All right, that's about all the time we have for today's show. Thanks again to my guests, Pete Fisher and J.D. Sanders, for joining me here on Talent Talk. Tune in live uh, next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I will have Anna Huffman. She's the Strategic HR and Organizational Development for Vincombs Services. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, Mike McGraw, owner of uh, Pride Staff. Uh, Both of them will be uh, my guests. Uh, Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Town Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.